0: This episode of Software Social is sponsored by Orbit. Orbit is mission control for your community. Grow and measure your community across any platform with Orbit. Find out more at orbit.love. Good morning, Michelle.
1: Hey, how are you? Great. So I hear that you have some new book updates.
0: Yeah. So uh, we finalized the cover this week. And I just, like just today, just submitted it to Amazon, Kindle Direct Publishing, and Ingram Spark, which is another self publishing print on demand platform, uh, and filed for the copyright. So things are happening. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about uh, our conversation last week and how you were talking about it, how you felt like you weren't getting anything getting anything done. And I was like, man, I feel the same way. <laughs> really? Has it like, just felt slow? I feel like for weeks. Yeah. Like I feel, well, you know, it's kind of, it's like this weird in between liminal space where like the copy has basically been final for a month now. And it's just sort of been kind of waiting on other things. And Um, and then there's also the, there's sort of the fact that it's summer here and like summer camps aren't really as much of a thing here as they are in the U S. Um, which, you know, I guess if like most people who work for other people get four weeks of vacation and they have kids, it's not really a big deal, but if you're self-employed, it kind of is. Sure. Um, And so I, you know, I'm just sort of working at night and whatever, or maybe I wake up early and get a couple hours in and like, uh, man, I don't, I don't know how parents in Europe who are self-employed do it. Um, Like, I really, I really don't know. Um, And like, just for weeks now, I've been, I've been like, yeah, like today's the day I'm going to start recording the audiobook private podcast. I'm super excited about doing that. Now that the copy is finalized, I'm like ready to go. Uh, and it just, like, that time just keeps not happening. And I feel like I'm not making uh, any progress. Um But this morning, I guess I did submit it, and then now it has to be reviewed. And I wanted to get a proof copy, but I think I might have done something wrong when I configured it because I don't have that option. And it just says, your book might be published in 72 hours. And I'm kind of like, ah! That's- that's fast okay i haven't even like i wanted to like look at it and make sure the you know the cover looked right and like you know the pages weren't upside down and whatnot so well okay so i'm a little i don't know so maybe if you search on amazon next week you'll actually find it even though i'm not gonna tell anybody about it But it won't be a physical copy yet. That's, Stay tuned. That's just. So that'll be the, the physical copy. Yeah. Who prints it? So there'll it? be a physical copy on Amazon. Amazon prints it. Like you can Amazon. upload a book to Amazon. I know. Like you can upload a book to Amazon and then they print it whenever somebody buys it. Really? I know. I was going. I was like, they let just anybody do this? Like, this, that's- wait, this is so easy. This is crazy. I had no idea. Um, so, so you submit to them yeah. your cover
1: art and your book. And then when someone yeah. buys it, they print it on demand. There's some
0: other stuff that happens, but basically, yes. That's yes. cool. So I don't have to like go out and, you know, buy, like basically pay for a printer to print 500 copies or whatever, and then mail them out myself, which I think is what you had to do before things like kind of it was the K V P or sort of Kindle on demand or Kindle on, it was what they call it. Yeah. Um, or, you know, sort of like, do you remember like Cafe Press in the 90s? Like, yes. Where like people could make t shirts and then you yes. printed it whenever you bought one. It's yes. basically like that for books. Very um, cool. And then there's also in- Ingram Spark, which is also print on demand, but I guess there's a lot of countries that Amazon doesn't serve. And also, I guess bookstores are more willing to work with Ingram Spark than they are with Amazon because they can return books to Ingram Spark. Because I guess Ingram Spark distributes a lot of non-self-published books too. I'm learning all about this. Um, so, so yeah. So I uploaded it to them, and then they have to review it and like I guess make sure it looks good um, before it'll actually. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen next. So we're we're just we're all gonna find out together. That's i think so I may exciting. have accidentally published the ebook to like <laughs> you know the Barnes and Noble and whatnot. Like ebook platforms, I don't know. We will find out. (laughs) I like it. That's exciting. So
1: you're telling me, in a matter of maybe five days, maybe less, people will be be able to purchase a physical copy of your book.
0: You think?
1: I don't know. Theoretically, probably, maybe. (laughs) We're gonna find out. I've never done this
0: before, so (laughs) I I, originally (laughs) I was like trying to give people estimates, and I was like, yeah, the book's gonna be available like end of June. And then I just realized I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, I knew that all along. But I realized that I have no idea what I'm doing and therefore I should not try to predict what is going to happen next because that is just an exercise in folly to try to predict a process that I have no past experience with. Sure. So does that mean from your... It will come out when it comes
1: out. Does that mean from your perspective that it's finished? Like you're done.
0: Ah, uh, I mean, you yeah. Know, so like, like yesterday, Matthias looks at me and he goes, you know, this is just the beginning, right? What does that mean? It's like twinkle in his eye. <laughs> it's starting. Um, you know, cause cause I mean, after the book is like officially out, then there's, there's the, the audiobook to record, right? Like I'm I'm super excited about doing that as a podcast and yeah. recording it myself. Um, you know, cause then I can really make sure that the The tone of voice is coming through and everything um and and I just you know yeah I'm can I just say I'm super
1: disappointed when authors don't read their own books yeah yeah like that makes me sad like there's a prominent bootstrapping book which was great but it was not read by the author and I was sad (laughs) I don't know why Mm. like I understand why people don't want to read their own books maybe they don't like to talk that much maybe they have an accent and they're uncomfortable with it I don't know
0: Yeah, exactly. I think people have different reasons for not recording their own book, but I am personally really excited to do it and to do it as a podcast too because again, I feel like I never would have gotten the book out had I not written it as a newsletter because for me writing an email is a lot lower pressure and stress and just mentally like cognitively easier than like sitting down staring at a blank cursor thinking about writing a book um and I feel the same way about recording a podcast like it's like oh it's just a podcast and actually I don't even have to come up with anything to say I just read something like great versus the idea of sitting down to record an audiobook for a 320 page book that feels daunting but doing a bunch of podcast episodes for each chapter that feels easy feels and then they just have to be concatenated
1: Yeah. yeah yeah so how has this been for you you've been working on this four to six months
0: since end of February middle Febu- middle end of February is when I started the news. Okay, order. so four months. So
1: how do you feel wow, to is be? That it? Yeah, right? You just knocked out a book in four months. I Can think. I just say how ridiculous that is by the way? <laughs> like that's not normal. <laughs> I feel
0: like it was all in my head
1: already. Like, I, I did not really
0: do any original it's, research. Or anything
1: it's just so funny because I feel like the arc of our podcast, like your story and the arc of our podcast is we're chatting, we're chatting. I'm like, you should write a book. You're like, nah. I'm like, you should write a book. You're like, yeah. And then you wrote it and it's done like four months later. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened?
0: When I commit to doing something, I do it. And usually very quickly. So, But it might take me a while to actually get around to doing it.
1: <laughs> how has this been? Are you excited to have some time back? Do you feel like, I mean, has it been quite stressful these past four to five months trying to work your full-time job and write this book has that been overwhelming
0: no it's been fun because you love Um, it you love the material fun like it's a little it's a little side project and I need little side projects um it's you know it's uh I mean I guess this podcast started out as a side project and then this podcast kind of spawned the book so like you know just side projects beget side projects um but no, I mean, it's been good. It's It's been a really good outlet for me. Like most of that newsletter writing time was actually at night, like, you know, after um, put our daughter to bed and just kind of sitting in bed with my laptop and just sort of enjoying writing things out and as I said, sort of mentally cleaning out my closet and just hauling out all of these things that mentally felt like old pieces of furniture from my head that were collecting dust or you know, were, um, were things I was referencing often, but didn't really have a good place to send people to. So it was, it was a relief in a way to write it. And then I had so much fun interviewing people who read the early drafts. Um, I think a really pivotal moment was when I got it into a draft and then I put it on help this book, which is uh, Rob Fitzpatrick, the author of the mom test, his new platform um, for, for launching books. And he also wrote a book, that sort of goes with the the platform called write helpful books that is I think it's coming out now um but I was given a link to that on his help this book uh page and that helped that was hugely helpful for me um and then and then but actually getting the draft in front of people and then and then talking to them about how they're using it and and what kinds of books they find useful and like you know, it was just, uh, it was, it was so fun. Like, I love talking to people about talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that was really fun. And then it was a little frustrating. I think towards the end, like, I felt like I did a re like a major whole book rewrite of the book every week in May and June. Like, just like that was probably when I did the most work. Like, I was probably like seventy five twenty five book versus geocodio, which was not super great um but that was kind of what what i needed at the time but yeah i think i guess from like now going forward it's going to be lower lift things like promoting it and yeah recording the podcast for the audiobook and whatnot
1: well that's super exciting congratulations it's
0: not out yet so i'm not gonna like count my
1: i mean you 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 sent it out before they hatch i
0: think your chickens have hatched yeah whatever it's, it's for it's getting reviewed it's it's things are happening things are moving you know so very exciting so yeah I think you're a lot more excited than I (laughs) I'm
1: just really impressed and to your point you had this stuff in your head already so it wasn't like you had to spawn content for the book you had all the content but you churned out a book fast like you when you started doing those newsletters I mean you were sending a lot of
0: newsletters. <laughs> it's like, this is a lot of information. When I get really into something, I like, yeah, I go all in to the point where it can be a bit of a fire hose, you know, like, so yeah. uh, Marie, Marie Poulin and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago yeah. where like we sink our teeth into something and then, we just don't give up until we're done, even if we wanted to. Um, I definitely, I, I definitely feel like this has been an exercise uh, uh, in that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool. I, I think you should be really proud of yourself for all the work, work you've put in, especially during the summer. That's hard, and you're working, you know, your normal job, and you wrote a book. It's super cool. You're so
0: supportive, Colleen. <laughs> it's what I'm here for. <laughs> I need you in my voice, you know, it, that voice in my head being like, "You should be proud of this. You've come a long way." You should. When I'm like sort of knee deep in like filing copyright applications and stuff like that and sort of n- not really able to see over the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Should I do a little uh numbers update while yeah. while we're- I don't think I've done one in a you while. You haven't done one in a while. Okay. A while. Go ahead. So, as of right now, I have sold 93 copies for the pre-order. Nice. Which, by the way, people can pre-order the, it's the, you get the PDF, the um, Notion and Google Drive script templates, and access to the private, forthcoming private podcast with the audiobook, deployempathy.com. Um, so 93 people have pre-ordered it right now. I know a bunch of people have said they want the print copy and like, I'm there with you. I don't really buy a lot of eBooks, especially for something I might want to reference later. Um, and I don't seem to be able to do a pre-order for the print book. So, oh, well, but anyway, so 93 people have ordered. And so just looking at sort of the overall revenue for that, not including expenses or, you know, processing fees or whatever, um, that is two thousand six hundred and ninety seven dollars. Nice. And I added it up with uh expenses a couple days ago and I believe that puts me around uh sort of twelve hundred dollars in net revenue from that. So minus awesome. all the expenses.
1: That's great. Yeah. For a book you can't that's not even <laughs> available yet. I mean I know it's available yeah. pre order, but that's pretty impressive considering it's not on Amazon yet.
0: It's kind of I mean, so I've like you know I've heard about building in public for a long time, and of course you know I'm a big advocate of including your your customers in the in in the process. But I've never really like built from scratch in public, um, and like just kind of outlined every step of what I was doing. You know the the highs and the lows, yeah, uh, and the massive amount of confusion in between. Um, and so it's been a really, really interesting like, like, I don't think I would have gotten to this point had I not started it as a newsletter and had that level of just motivation, you know, even from the you know the first five people who subscribed and would reply and say, "Hey, this was great. Thank you for writing this." Like that kept me going um, in a way that that I, I just would not have like, actually, I think I started the book right around the time of when, the, when that container ship was stuck in the Suez. Yes, remember I remember uh, that. Little, that little part that nobody had on their 2021 bingo card. Um, and I was reading a book, I, or there's a book I picked up off my shelf that I had been meant to read for years that finally did because of that, called The Box, which is a history of container shipping, which is a really interesting book, by the way. Um, if you say And... So. <laughs> Hey, container shipping revolutionized the world. Um, and it's pretty new too, like since the 60s. Anyway, okay. Not what this podcast is about. So but so I opened that book and like the beginning of the book is the uh, acknowledgments from the author. And it like starts out with the author talking about how lonely the process for writing a book is. And especially on a very niche topic. Yeah, And I think I had had some little like inklings in my head of, of like, whether I should write a book at that point and I remember reading that and being like oh god like that sounds really awful like and I felt really bad for the author as I was reading this because I've heard writers talk about how lonely of a process it is and I was like and I think that turned me off from it for such a long time um, but then it kind of like occurred to me later that like I can write a book, but I can do it my way. I don't have to do it the lonely way. Right. Like I could write it in public. I could include readers in the process and make it a social process from the beginning. Um, So I didn't feel like I was just, you know, closed off in a windowless room for six months because I think it's why I really never wrote a book before. Like I always wanted to, but I was like, I don't think I could deal with that amount of loneliness writers talk about. So yeah. yeah, it's been it's been good. That's awesome. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. so in the spirit of our podcast last week, I'm I took some notes and I think I'm gonna break it up every week into like what I did this week, what I'm struggling with and what I want to do next week to keep myself focused and to keep myself moving forward. Okay, my tangent is I listen to um, a podcast with Angela Duckworth. Do you know who she is? Mm, yeah. She's okay. So for those who don't know who she is, she's the MacArthur Genius Grant winner. She like ter- coined the term grit. So I have this podcast I really like with her, um, and st- it's her and Stephen Dubner, and it's called No Stupid Questions. Anyway, this week they were talking okay. about the the difference between urgency and importance. And they were talking about how basically the, the summation was people don't do things that they don't consider urgent. So you can have these things on your Mm to-do list, like go to the gym, which is important. We all know that's important, but without a sense of urgency, like I have to be at the gym at 6 PM for my weightlifting class. Instead of, instead of that, instead of being like, I'll go whenever I want, there's no urgency to it. So people just don't go. Oh, that explains so much. It's so good. Like I'm going to send you this episode. So good. But yeah, so it was this concept. So I started thinking about it, um, in terms of my business because I have all these things that I feel are really important, but I have no urgency behind them, right? There's no timeline for me. I can just Mm. sit here and this thing makes me money. And you're the
0: one setting the deadlines.
1: Right. And they're fake. I mean, and I'm not really even setting them. I'm like, oh, if I get to it, if it's convenient for me today. So I just really liked this whole concept of of something being urgent versus important and how we'll we'll even do the less important things if we feel that they are urgent. And um, Mm. I say that because I'm now every week, until I get to a place that I'm pretty happy with, I'm going to share with you kind of my goals. And so... To make them feel a little more urgent so I feel like I actually will do them. So (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Let's try it. It was really good. So one of the things I'm really excited about is this week I finally got my app on Rails 6.1. That's important to me because I was patching in all of the CDN stuff for images because Rails 6.0 didn't include that. So basically what happened is I had my app on 6.0 All the stuff was pushed onto Rails Master to handle CDNs. And so I cherry picked it off of Rails Master onto my stuff, but I incorporated it as a patch to my app, which doesn't make me very happy because it just feels brittle. So I got up to Rails 6.1. So that's like a huge deal. And all of the things I have been telling you I wanted to do, I wanted to do this first. Like I feel like this Mm -hmm. is now going to set the stage for me to actually move forward to do other useful things. So I feel good about that. It sounds like it's going to help your
0: development velocity.
1: It will. And I feel like some of these development blockers are really frustrating for me. Like there's a really simple one, which won't take that long to do, uh, API access. But I didn't want to, I could have added new features and then gone back and got it on 6.1. But it's smarter, in my opinion, (laughs) since I have the time, to get it on 6.1 before, you know, adding all the API stuff. So I feel like now that that's done, development stuff will go faster. So I'm pumped about that. And that was mm-hmm. something that's, like, really kind mm-hmm. of boring to do. I don't know if boring is the right word, but, it, you know, like, upgrading is always kind of
0: like, eh. It's not shiny, right? It's like, shiny. developer happiness and infrastructure stuff. And I feel like security kind of falls in this category, too, of, like, stuff that's, like, really important. But – It's not shiny. There's no, you know, revenue number like floating over your head if you do it. Right. (laughs) It's more of a like, it's more of like a cost thing. It's like lost time, you know, lost um, energy, like it could be lost revenue if it's security issues. Like I think when we went full time, actually, like the first thing we prioritized was like, what can we do for infrastructure and developer happiness stuff so that when we are working on stuff, it's more enjoyable to work on more resilient, uh, less brittle. As exactly. You
1: said. That's exactly how I feel about it. So, I, so it's transparent to my customers, but it feels really good to me for exactly those reasons. Mm-hmm. My development time now going mm-hmm. forward will go faster. I won't have to worry about writing something I'm later going to have to rip out when I upgrade. It's good. So I was pumped about mm-hmm. that. Something I'm struggling with this week this is kind of funny. So you remember like a month ago, I told you I hired my sister to help me do marketing. That's just been kind of an interesting challenge for us because neither of us know what to do. And so I, I'm like trying to do my development stuff. She's asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know. So we're both kind of spinning around, um, not quite sure what to do. So what we did is we ended up having a call with one of our mutual friends um, who has his own podcast. His name is Josh Ho, and his podcast is Searching for SaaS. And he helped us lay out a SEO content Google Search Search Console strategy. Oh. Yeah. So we are kind of excited to go down that path. What I originally had asked her to do was more traditional sales safari and it wasn't working. Hmm. Remember how Sean came on the podcast and he told us he spent 80 hours like doing sales safari. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So my sister was trying to do that for my product and we just weren't really, we just weren't really getting anywhere. It felt like we just weren't getting any useful information so we are going to, starting this week, try to tackle this more from a content
0: SEO perspective. Hmm. You feel like the sales safari kind of approach was, I don't know, I guess you you, you kind of already built something. That's, that's what Josh said. He was like, you already and built it. people are already paying for <laughs> right. it. So it seems like, you know, I mean, sales safari is useful at, at many different stages, but it sounds like. You you need to get eyeball, eyeballs in front of this thing, and because there people are willing to pay for it, there's clear there's a need. A huge competitors went into the space, which tells you all the more that there's need for this. You just need to tell people you exist.
1: Yeah, that was his point as well, and I think that's a better use of our time is to kind of lay out a content mm. strategy. So we're going to try to do that. I'm such a bottleneck in this process, though. Um, It's hard to find developers to write content technical. Here's a business idea. (laughs) Technical content rating is really hard. I have a mutual friend who has a business way more successful than mine, and he hired a technical content agency to write some articles. They're not very good. So I'm just saying, I think that this is like a real bottleneck. It's like really good technical content. I'm going to go on a limb here and say technical content for developers has to be written by developers.
0: Or by technical writers. Uh, I know that we have at least two technical writers who listen to this podcast and are okay. reading my book and um, like they focus on writing documentation and and oh, technical content hey, for developers. Tell them to DM Like, me. this is a whole job. Because I want to hire someone yeah. to write DM content. Colleen, if, DM you're about, writer, if you're a technical DM writer, DM Colleen. Um, and actually, I mean, they get, you know, a lot of the... They were telling me that they get frustrated because, like, in big companies, they get really insulated from the customers, which yeah. inhibits their ability to write, to good, write good documentation. Content. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, as you're talking about the... Um, challenges with getting your sister up to speed like it makes me wonder like has she gotten to sit in on any interviews with customers has she gotten to do any like has she got to hear from the customers directly about what you're solving and why it's important to them
1: no we haven't done any new customer interviews yet
0: get her in those yeah i think that'll really help and you might still be the person who's kind of guiding you know api documentation and whatnot but if there's a difference between hearing about what something does from somebody who built it and hearing about what it does from somebody who bought it and is excited about it. Yeah. Those are two really different things. And for marketing, what she needs to communicate is why you should buy it and why you should be excited about it. And the technical documentation is part of that. Um, But she needs to be able to speak to what would get someone excited about it. Yes. And who better to hear that from than someone who is excited about it themselves, i.e. a customer of yours.
1: Yeah, we have a whole bunch of new customers. So I think in a couple, uh, probably starting next week, once uh, my life's a little more organized, we're going to start trying to do more customer interviews and get back on that bandwagon. Because I haven't done any since I did them with you almost three months Mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely a priority to get that to get that going. Um, Yeah, so so content is challenging because I would love to just churn out some content, but I am struggling to find the time myself or find people that are making the kind of content that I need. So that is challenging. Mm -hmm. But I did. I don't know if I told you. So Drew, who we interviewed together, who is a simple file upload Mm -hmm. customer, is a developer and so i paid him to write a piece for me oh i know
0: (laughs) i was like i need someone to do
1: this i was like drew knows how this works
0: (laughs) maybe he will do it yeah so that's it's not yeah dude like hiring your own customers is really smart like um i think we talked about uh chris from from webflow our Mm -hmm. mutual friend we didn't realize it was a mutual friend um a couple of months ago and his first support hire is one of his customers and it worked out like amazingly well because awesome. the, like the person already understands the product yes he knows how it works he knows where it might go wrong like um that's like that has been in the back of my mind of you know when we need to hire for for something even just you know for something on a contract like who in our customer base could do that for us
1: yeah yeah I thought like, I was so pumped. So I threw you know, he said he could do it. And I was like, yes. I mean, that's the best, that's the best of both worlds. Someone who knows what they're doing is a writer and is technical. It was, it was great. So I haven't actually published it yet because see all these other things I've been trying to do with my life, but it's, um, it's a guide on how do you simplify upload with react? And that has been on my to-do list for four months, so let me tell you how great it wow. felt to give it to someone who could do it better than me. It felt great. And he just got it done in like 3 to 4 days. I was like, "Oh, you're the you're amazing." So that Sweet. was really Yeah, it it felt really good cuz you know all those things you're supposed to do they, they kind of like weigh on you and your subconscious, like the mm-hmm. things you haven't done. And that has literally been on my list for four months. Only I have to kind of learn React before I can write about how to use it. And react. Like I kind of sort of know React, but this, this partnership I feel worked out really well. So um, that really inspired me. It went so well with Drew, it inspired me to hire more people to write for me. But I'm definitely having a bottleneck, like finding... The right kind of people, especially for the rail stuff, because I feel like I can do that better than most people. So
0: it's a trade off. Well, so I, so first, I wonder if you could create some sort of pipeline where, you know, you create one piece of content and it can be recycled in many different ways. And I wonder if even just that one piece of content from Drew, like if your sister can take that and with some understanding of what the customers are trying to solve and where they're coming from and what the product does and recycle that into many other pieces of content
1: what does that mean that can be
0: used in other places to further improve your seo
1: i I literally don't know what you mean like you mean put it on like like
0: yeah so like he wrote up this like long guide yeah Right? Yes. So, but then you can also have landing pages that are how to do this with React. And it's like taking like bits and pieces out of that. Okay. Like if she can read that and understand it and then be like, oh, we can use it in these other places. You can put bits and pieces of that on your homepage, on other pages, like, right. and use that yes. as like, you're probably trying to do this. Like, look, read that article and then look at everything in Google Search Console and say, okay, what are the similarities in terms here? What is the actual term that people are using per Google Search Console. What is the word we're using in this piece of content? Let's change that to the word that people are typing in. Are there five variations of it? Let's make sure in this article we have headlines that use each one of those five different variations, like use that on other parts of our site, like so on and so forth.
1: This is the stuff we don't understand. Like, I hear the words coming out of your mouth. Oh, okay. But I'm a little confused. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> Like, okay, so I set up Google okay. Search Console. So go me. I did yeah. that. So you've got keywords, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It did like give me keywords. Keywords.
0: Yes. Okay. That is the most useful part about that for me personally. Okay. Um, like, before, until we started using Ahrefs, that was what I used all the time. Okay. And so that tells you all of the different keywords that are leading people to your site. Okay. It's very, it's very basic, but it's like, it's, it's enough. And I think you can sort it by volume and, you know, the number of clicks and stuff that you're getting. Right. Um, and then basically taking that. And so, so in that, like in that long article that Drew wrote, so I would suggest, you know, publishing that as a webpage, not as a PDF or anything. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, search so engines pick up on the headlines. So if someone is typing in, you know, how to do image upload or file upload with react, for example, um, then your headlines need to be like step one, like determine which files you want people to be able to upload with react, like with your react app like step two like do this thing with your react app if you want to be able to have them you know import files or like what like use different variations of that okay but like use it in the headlines so like we have a million of these things on our website um actually if you go to uh geocod.io and then like in the help menu there's one that says tutorials we have all these step-by-step guides that are all in this format which i actually learned from another friend of ours who is a total seo uh like genius um and then each one is like bullet points of step one determine which addresses you want to find the congressional district for step two take the list of addresses that you want the congressional district for and upload them to Geocodio. step three you know like and it's just using those same words over and over and over again it's kind of like you know in the 90s when you saw like a huge block of like tiny font text at the bottom of a website yes that is basically how this is done now. But use different versions um, of that of that text too because people might be typing in different uh. things. Like we, for example, we'll see that people type in um, lat lawn to congressional district, which is something I would not type in personally. Yeah. Like I think of address to congressional district. Right. So we make sure that it says address to congressional district. It also says lat lawn to congressional district, GPS coordinates to congressional district, like all of those many permutations of it and then having as many things in headlines as possible so that that is what the you know search engine picks up on
1: okay okay cool yeah we can work in that direction and you're right I didn't think about that we already have this piece of content so
0: yeah and then just use it in many other places okay great awesome
1: cool that's exciting yeah gives us something to to focus on a little bit I mean I think that's what's been challenging for us is we're just what do you do next? I have no idea. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I told her, I was like, we're both learning here, right? This is part of the fun. This is why we're doing it. Like, this is part of the fun of the, the process, but it definitely can be a little
0: intimidating or confusing. And to what you said about important versus urgent, I feel like important projects that are nebulous get shoved to the oh. bottom.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, mm, totally. So we, that's great. We'll work on that. And then what I really want to do this week is get a test sandbox environment set up on my website. You and I actually talked about this ages ago. And then when I talked to Derek Reimer a couple weeks ago, he said it again. And I was like, I should really do this. But all this Royal 6.1 stuff was the reason I hadn't done it yet. So I'm hoping I'll be able to get something like that up in a week and basically that would be kind so of the test sandbox. Yeah, so you know if you go on to upload care cloudinary's website, there's a big button that says try it now and you can literally just try mm-hmm. it. Like that's you can see exactly mm-hmm. what it does before you sign up for an account and all of that stuff. So that is something I want to get. Oh, okay. Set okay. Up. Yeah. And I think that would be great cuz that's going to give me higher quality leads and I think it'll mm-hmm. encourage more people to use the service cuz I think my service offers some things that these other these other services don't offer. Show them what it does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I try, I have the video which shows them what it does, but people like to, t- especially developers, like I, at least I do, I like to put my hands on things. Like, you make it look easy. Is it actually that easy? So I, I feel think, like. That's, I think
0: that's a pretty common feeling. Like, yeah. Don't tell me that it's easy. Let me experience Let me, how easy it is. Exactly.
1: Like, I want to actually do it. So that's my goal for this yeah. week. Um, that's a little ambitious because there's a lot of moving parts in that. But once I get that set up, I think that's going to be great for marketing. And potential customers and stuff. So, yeah.
0: What are some of those moving parts? Because maybe if there's five steps involved, if you get three out of five by next week, that's still pretty good.
1: Yeah. So, the thing I have to do to do this, my plan at least, first of all, if I have an open file uploader open to the world, I have to be really careful with security. And so, mm-hmm. I want to write a script that automatically deletes these uploaded files like every 10 minutes. Don't know how to do that. I mean, I'm Mm. sure I can figure it out, but like I've never done that before. um, So I have no idea. I don't just know how to do that. I, again, theoretically it's easy, but I don't know. So I want to do that. And I guess I don't need a script. I can just do it in my app, but whatever. I also want to make sure those files go to a completely separate domain, like completely separate domain than the files I'm serving for production customers. Because if someone, since it's open to the world, if someone were to upload an inappropriate file, that could be that could be bad, right? I mean, it's files. I'm
0: vaguely remem- remembering somebody like warning you about like that. Yes, there was like something ex- on Hacker News or something that yes. this had happened to somebody? It happened file to someone else. App and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there was,
1: a, yeah, okay. someone sent it to me on Twitter and it was a, there was this big Hacker News thread about it. Someone else who has a similar product didn't separate his domains. So he had everyone on the same domain. And so his whole site got blacklisted. Like he didn't even separate, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he did, he didn't know, but I, he didn't even separate his app from his serving domain. Like mine are already separate. So that's already good. But mm-hmm. he had literally everything on the same domain. So when his site got blacklisted by Google, like everything went down. Oof. Yeah. And he said, it. you know, the interesting thing, I read the Hacker News thread and they, they didn't have problems for years. I mean, they had their file uploader open to the world for like, I think it was like three years and they didn't have any issues. And then one day, bam, everything, everything was shut down. So I've already taken mm. many security steps. I have um, a wireless firewall. I have separate domains for my app and my serving domain. But if I'm going to open this to the world, I want a third domain for test files. So that's, mm-hmm. I already have the and domain. And
0: automatically deleting the files yeah. is smart, too. I don't know if this other person did that, but he that didn't. disincentivizes people from using it for malicious yeah. files. I mean,
1: one of the good things is he wrote a really detailed what I learned. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. I could just take all of that. He's like, And that was one of the things is he was deleting the files, I think, every 36 hours. And he's like, that's not enough. Like, you need to be deleting the files like every 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like,
0: Okay this is great he's got like a
1: step-by-step step-by-step what not to do so So I want to make sure I hit all of those wickets before I open this up on my website absolutely yeah but that would be a huge I'm really excited about that because I really think once I get that I really think I can I can push a little more and I really think that's going to help with my
0: marketing Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm.
1: yeah so that's my goal for next
0: week All right. So next week we will check in on whether the sandbox is live on your site and maybe possibly my book will be ready. Who knows? (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs)
1: Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains who has a nice personality, Dave from ReCut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsy, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend. Matthew of Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Conbini, Arvid Kahl, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.